Well, we have come to the very end of our Epiphany worship series, Wise Women Leading the Way. Marty and I were joking the other day that now we can finally get back to all those great stories of men. Uh, I was joking. It was a bad joke. This journey has introduced us to stories we've ignored, to stories in parts of Scripture we usually do not travel to, where we've met women that have stood up taller than any story of a man in Scripture, women whose stories have inspired us like Vashti and Rahab, Hagar and Shira, that builder of cities. They've amazed us with their incredible strength. And most of the women, actually pretty much all of them that we've heard from, have been foreigners to the Israelites. People on the fringes of their society who have spoken truth and led the Israelites as no one else could. Women who stood up to the patriarchy of their day, who fought against opposition, who resisted and overcame. They are strong, incredible, inspiring women. And we've saved the strongest woman of them all for last, the widow of Zarephath. Zarephath, we don't know where that is, but the author tells us it's in Sidon, which is to say we are not in Israel, another foreign woman in God's story. The prophet of God, Elijah, has just shown up in the scene in 1 Kings, right earlier in the first part of this chapter, sort of arising out of obscurity. He will go on and become this great prophet of God. This Sunday in a lot of churches is the last Sunday of Epiphany. The Sunday before Lent begins is seen as the Transfiguration Sunday, the story when Jesus goes up on the mountain and the cloud is there like Moses. And he stands on the mountain and he talks with two people, Moses and Elijah. Elijah is seen in all of scripture as the greatest prophet of all the great prophets. This man of God will do mighty things in the name of God, will stand up to King Ahab time and time again. He will have this dramatic encounter with the worshipers of Baal and prove that God is the only God. He will perform great acts of power, the likes of which Israel had never seen and would never see again until Jesus begins his ministry. But before all of that, As Elijah is only beginning this prophetic ministry, God sends him on an inaugural trip to a widow, a foreign widow at that, all the way in Zarephath, far from the seats of power in Jerusalem. The prophet of Israel sent outside of Israel to help an unknown, marginalized, poor widow woman. On the surface, she seems very weak. Life has been cruel to her. And now she will die an even crueler death of starvation. She appears weak. We don't even know her name. But God knows her name. God knows her story. God knew her suffering. And God sent the prophet Elijah to her. Because God knows there's nothing stronger than a widow. To stand up after losing the love of your life. To make a new life, to fend for yourself, waking up every morning to face the grief, the grief that never goes away, but becomes all the more familiar. You may accomplish much in life, but no accomplishment is greater than continuing your life after you lose someone so close as a spouse to carry on, to forge a new life. That is incredible. There's nothing stronger than a widow. And God knows this from the beginning of the Bible to the very end. God shows preferences for widows. Now, I know God doesn't show favoritism. 
least someone said that. But you would be remiss to make that argument when you read scripture from the beginning to the end. Exodus twenty two twenty two. you shall not mistreat any widow. Deuteronomy 27, 9, cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the migrant, the orphan, and the widow. Psalm 68, 5, parent of orphans, protector of widows is God in God's holy habitation. Psalm 146, 9, the Lord watches over the foreigner. God upholds the orphan and the widow. In the New Testament, Mark 12, 40, the words of Jesus, those who devour widows' houses and make for pretense, make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation, Jesus says. 1 Timothy 1, 5, honor the widows. And James 1, 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. That's just but a very, very small list. On and on the scriptures go, repeating that the test of one's religion, true religion, authentic faith, is that you care for orphans, for migrants, and for widows, local and foreigners alike. So before Elijah will do anything great for God, Before he begins his ministry, he will do the greatest ministry of all and go visit this foreign widow. And God will change Elijah by this encounter with her. Elijah will get to know the very heart of God and who God cares for. And her light will lead the way for him to become the great prophet of God. In her book, Fierce, Women of the Bible and Their Stories of Violence, Mercy, Bravery, Wisdom, Sex, and Salvation, a book we've used, Marty and I, for this series, the Episcopal priest Alice Connor tells the story of the widow better than I could, so I thought I'd borrow her words. She writes, There was a widow who lived in Zarephath whose only family was her son and whose only food was a little flour and oil. There was a drought on, you see, so all the people around were suffering. When the famous prophet Elijah passed through town, he saw her collecting sticks. He said, woman, give me some water and some food as well. For God, my God and your God has said you will feed me. I'm not kidding. That's what he said. Typical. She paused in her stick gathering and said, sir, I would be happy to help you out on any other day but today. I have so little to eat that my son and I are just now going to eat it and then die of starvation. Elijah, undeterred, said it will not run out. Go and make some little pancakes with the flour and oil and bring me some. You'll see what God can do. Seeing that she was planning to die anyhow, the widow shrugged and did what he said. She poured the little flour she had into a small bowl, mixed the last of oil with it, and poured it onto the griddle. As she browned around the edges, she thought of all the times she'd made these cakes for her husband. All the times he'd embraced her, all the time they laughed and argued in this very room. Her chest felt tight. She put her shoulders, she pulled her shoulders back and took a deep breath. Her eyes wet, but not overflowing. She took a pancake to the prophet and then returned home awaiting the death of her son. Her eye caught on the empty jar of flour, which wasn't empty. She snatched up the bottle of oil, also not empty. How could this be? For days afterwards, the widow of Zarephath was able to feed herself, her son, and the prophet Elijah, who had brought them the possibility. What an incredible story. An incredible miracle, yet 
If you were listening, the story continues. The salvation only short-lived for in just a matter of days after eating from this miraculous flour and oil, the widow's son dies of an unknown illness. We cannot imagine her pain, that joy when she finally realized her last meal would not be the last. The hope that her son will live, that she will live, and now in her arms lay her son, all that she had left, her joy and her love, her very life, now gone. What have you against me, O man of God, she yells. You have come to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. Is this some cruel joke, some evil punishment? It would have been better, she says, if God had never shown up in her village. But her story isn't over. The widow's story is never over. Elijah takes the dead son from his mother's bosom, it says, carries him upstairs to his room, lays the son on his bed. And I kid you not, this is straight from scripture. He lays on top of the dead boy, gets up, lays on top of the dead boy again, gets up, lays on top of him the third time. The old hymn sings, the Lord works in mysterious ways. You can see where we get the idea. Elijah says to God, O Lord, you have brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I am staying by killing her son. O Lord, God, let life come into this boy again. And the boy wakes up to life and the widow rejoices. That's the old story. Fast forward a few years in the small village of Nazareth, another another prophet begins his ministry and he stands up in the synagogue, his hometown, the family and friends that he grew up with are in attendance, this small village of Nazareth. And he reads from the text from another prophet, the great prophet Isaiah. He quotes the scripture, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolls the scroll up, then sits down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue are fixed on him. And he says, he begins his sermon by saying, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He goes on from there and keeps preaching. And you can hear the, the, the mumbling in the crowd. Isn't this Joseph's son that's preaching? What, uh, what's he doing? This is, he's got such authority. They, they mumble. They, they talk. And then Jesus ends his sermon in this way. Truly, I tell you, he's driving it home. No prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, he says, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah. When the heaven was shut up for three years and six months and there was severe famine over the land, yet Elijah was sent to none of those widows, but only to the widow of Zarephath in Sidon. And the hometown crowd who saw Joseph's son grow up were so offended by the suggestion that God would send a prophet to a foreign widow that they drove Jesus out to the edge of town and tried to push him off a cliff. This is in scripture. And instead of going off the cliff, Jesus just miraculously passes through the crowd unharmed. Now, fast forward from that story to the news last week, the legislator of the state of Iowa debated a bill, a bill that would raise requirements for people on SNAP. That's the name for food stamps. It added extra burdens for those receiving Medicaid. Food pantries around our area 
took to the capital. They wrote letters. I wrote letters. Many people wrote letters because they knew what would happen. You change the requirements, more people would go without food. Pantries would be stretched. DMARC, who, is, who sees 16,000 people a month, a day, a week, actually, a week in, our, in Des Moines, the largest uh, crowd they've ever had would be stretched even thinner. The, the faithful rose up. Honor the widows, scripture says, yet many widows in our community live on SNAP and on Medicaid, their own lives depending on it. But these proposes challenged that honor and dishonor all of us. But people of faith rose up. They kept raising up because we see God's light is shining all the way back to that forgotten town of Zarephath from that widow into Nazareth and Jesus's ministry and on today for her name unknown. Yet her name is the name of every widow in our churches and towns, the name of every widow in our communities and our nation and in every nation. Her name is the name of every vulnerable person on this planet who struggles to survive as others live to excess as others cut the little assistance they have and demand from them that last cup of flour and oil. As they struggle, we see in their struggle their strength. And we see God's heart, for God gives them strength. Wise women who show us and all God's people that God could have sent Elijah anywhere, but God sent Elijah to this prophet. And the story rises up in Scripture is one of those stories that, that gives us a lens through which we read all of Scripture, that this is where God's heart is. The widow of Zarephath teaches us in her wisdom that if you want to follow God, if you want to be a nation that fears God, a church that serves God, a disciple that follows the light of God, then caring for widows and, the, and the, those who struggle on the edges of society, that's where the road always starts. May God forgive us when we ignore the widows and those most vulnerable around us. May God forgive us when we have too much while others have not enough. May God forgive us when we pass laws and rules that makes those who struggle their lives only harder. And may we learn from the strength of this widow, her name being the name of all around us, that God sees us all. And no matter how vulnerable or forgotten we feel, God sees us. God loves us and God provides for us. May God provide for us and through us. May it be so. Amen. Let us come to God's table of abundance.